Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, so others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. In many of my travels, particularly as a seminarian, one who is studying and preparing for the priesthood, I've had the chance to go to Rome on two separate occasions. One time while I was in college, living with an intentional men's community of college age and young adult men who were trying to strive to form themselves after the example of blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. If you haven't heard of him before, be sure to look him up. But the other time I've been to Rome was with a World Youth Day pilgrimage as well, on the way to Poland a few years ago. And both times in Rome, there was a statue there in St. Peter's Basilica of St. Peter himself, seated on a throne with one of his feet extended outward at roughly chest level, I would say. And in that place, you had the opportunity to reverence and humble yourself in front of this said statue. The first time I went, there was a woman ahead of me in kind of this little area to do so with this statue, this representation of St. Peter. And she was, it was kind of like a good luck thing to touch his feet or to kiss the extended foot of the statue. And it was a sign of reverence, of course, because that was a pious tradition in the church was to reverence the, the feet of the Holy Father, uh, fashioned after the example of Martha and Mary, in the example of, you know, following that example of Jesus to give him honor and reverence. But in any case, in this tradition, one peculiar thing this woman also did was to place her head beneath the sole of the foot of Peter. So I had seen other people at this statue kiss the feet or touch the foot that was extended, but it was the first time I had seen this woman or really anyone, place their feet, their head beneath the extended foot of Peter. She noticed that I saw this gesture, and I asked her, you know, what was the idea of that gesture? I had seen these other ones, but I had never quite witnessed this one. And she had said to me that she wished to always keep herself within the Catholic Church, and she humbled herself before the papacy to always submit herself to the authority and teachings of Holy Mother Church. This Sunday, we hear the very foundations, the root of this idea of the papacy, really the cornerstone of the visible and still present church in our world today, the foundation stone, as today Peter is called the rock. In this example from the Gospel, Peter is not selected, as it's been said by many different preachers over the centuries, for his particular 
smartness or cleverness or what have you. But what he was selected for was of his will, willingness to follow the will of God. And Jesus reminds him of that today when he says that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but rather my heavenly Father. And there, Peter, his name is changed. Before this, he is known as Simon or Simeon. The idea of being a name change, of course, comes to us from the Old Testament. Abram is changed to Abraham, Jacob to Israel. All these examples in the Old Testament that when someone's name is changed, there's a significant event happening in their life. And so that name change also reflects the new role that they have, the new idea of who they are, especially of who God plans for them to be. In this particular example, Simon is changed to Peter. He is literally given the name Rock. In the original Aramaic, it would have read, which Jesus spoke to Peter, it would have read, you are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. With the rock of Peter and the rock, the noun, being the identical word in the Aramaic. The idea that Peter himself would be the rock, the rock of the church, it connects very well with our first reading today, because in our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, there is an encounter with the prime minister of the house of David. That's really what this role being addressed is today. That's what this office is mentioned of today in Isaiah. The office of really the second in command behind the king. The person who is given the authority, the keys, as it is said. That one is the one that can open and shut, as it says in the prophet Isaiah today. This idea of the prime minister, the one second only to the king himself in the line of King David from the prophet Isaiah, is fulfilled in our hearing today in the gospel. As, of course, no one supersedes the authority of Jesus Christ, for he is God. But however, Jesus entrusted the church on earth to be ruled over, to be held in authority, to be administered by the authority of the Pope, the Prime Minister, the one who stands and represents Christ to the visible world. In this way, this is the tradition of the papacy, for that the Prime Minister cannot you know, tear down the walls of the kingdom, of the of the house that he is put in charge of, he cannot drastically redesign, restructure, or redo the church because he is merely the prime minister. He is given the keys to the doors, but not the whole construction contract to tear it down and rebuild it. That is only given to us by the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the only person who has that authority to do so. So the Holy Father tomorrow cannot suddenly decide that we can suddenly change the nature of the bedrock of the church itself. For, of course, the bedrock of the church itself is always, of course, Jesus Christ. But this visible this visible rock on earth that is visible to us today is still handed on to us in the person of the Holy Father, the papacy. The one who is really the father of the kingdom, the father of the governance of the kingdom on earth of the church. Hence, we call him Papa, Pope. The word for Father. Indeed, in this way, though, let us always remember to pray for those in authority, 
to pray for those that carry the burden of governance, that, that carry the burden of the keys. And not only that as well, let us pray also for those of local and state and our own national government and the governments of the world, that our leaders might be always willing to govern to the authority of the truth, in accordance with the truth, in accordance with the power of the gospel. The burden of administration, the burden of leading, really reminds me back to a very personal story in my own life. When I was in high school, my own pastor of my home parish was actually removed from ministry for accusations, accusations that were brought against him. And so my pastor was removed from ministry. We were given a new pastor by the bishop. And then the bishop at that time of my diocese came and spoke to a town hall meeting in the church of people that were gathered, people that were gathered and have the opportunity to hear from their shepherd, from the bishop of my diocese, what had happened and answer questions as much as he possibly could. In one of those encounters, I very distinctly remember there was a woman who angrily stood up and started to really lay into the bishop, just started to insult him, just started to throw words at him, not necessarily derogatory or nasty things, but just really critiquing him and laying into him to call to question his leadership in front of this entire congregation of gathered people in a town hall style meeting in the church, really in front of more than 100 people. But in this moment of encounter, though, there was others around her that started to kind of shush her and to quiet her and to tell her that that was enough and that she should sit down and be quiet. And rather than agree with them, the bishop said, no, no, let her speak. Let her say her peace, because even Jesus Christ was critiqued, and I am no better than him. In this particular moment, I remember very powerfully the example of Christ, the example and the charity and the meekness of Jesus Christ present in what it meant to be a minister, but also a leader right before me, before my very eyes as a high schooler. Certainly, authority has its weight to carry. There's a weight to carry in the secular world, and there's a weight of authority to carry in the ecclesial or the church world as well. So I invite you in a powerful way this coming week to really pray for those in authority, to pray for those in authority every day this week, that as they continue to lead, whether that be the secular side of things in our own national, state, or local governments, or in the world governments around the world, but also as well to pray for our Holy Father, to pray for our bishop, our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and our bishop, Robert McClory, that they might continue to lead our diocese and indeed our church as the Pope through the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, that they might be patient, that they might be wise, that they might continue to be shepherds after the heart of Jesus Christ. And also as well today, particularly as a parent, a grandparent, those that are sponsors, those that are godparents, Pray for yourselves if you fall into that category as well, and pray for others this week that fall into that category. 
that the authority that God has given you, whether it be over your children, over the reality of sponsorship of someone in the church, as a godfather or godmother, spiritual authority that you might have been entrusted to someone to care for them, to pray for them, whatever it may be, that we might continue to be leaders after the heart of Jesus Christ if we've been entrusted with it, and that we might continue to never compromise the truth, but always stand upon the rock, to stand upon the rock that is found in the church and to always live in accordance with their teachings. So in that trip to Rome, as I saw the woman place her head beneath the sole of the foot of that statue, it reminded me very distinctly of the power and reality of what it meant to submit yourself to the authority of the church. And that woman showed me the example of what that could look like in a very powerful and profound way in the middle of St. Peter's. So as I kiss the foot and touch the foot of that statue, I know that's very foreign in this time of pandemic or coronavirus to do such things. But in any case, I also placed my head beneath the foot of that statue to remind myself to always be submissive and humble before the power of the authority entrusted to the Holy Father by Jesus Christ himself. So today, and always, let us always pray for those in authority over us. And if we've been entrusted with a portion of that authority too, might we always lord it over others with gentleness and kindness, particularly modeled after Jesus Christ himself.